Welcome to another episode of the Investigate Podcast. And today's episode, we're going deep into cash flows. Now, we're talking short-term cash flow, high interest rate, low interest rate. Is the asset really that bad or is it just the environment that's shifted? I'll be answering some of those questions in today's podcast. Now, special bonus. I will actually also be going into some cash flow modeling and projections of my own portfolio, really seeing how the shifts today have changed where I'm at, what's happening in my world, and what some of our goals are as a couple for our cash flows ahead. Now, why that's important to share is because you're going to see real individual mapping, but you're also going to see individual property analysis. And I'm positive that when you look at cash flow in the way that I'm going to show you today, you're going to be able to consider the pros, the cons of investing in this environment, and be more holistic about your decision making, and of course, decision making for the long term. I'm Arjun Paliwal, Head of Research at Investigate Buyers Agency. And if you tune into this episode and you get some immense value or you even get one little bit of value, I feel that we would have done our job here in helping you on your journey. So don't forget to give it a like, subscribe. I'm really keen to get this out to more people to ensure that I can keep giving value to more people with episodes like this that really get under the hood. So if you're on the car listening to this or if you've got your earphones in, please do tune into this episode twice or maybe when you're in front of the screen because there's a video version of this as well going up on our YouTube and that does mean that you're going to be able to see the screen and I'll do my best to share what I can as I always do on the audio but the screen time is going to be where it's at. So encourage you to tune in and get involved in cash flow deep dive in today's episode. All right, it's time to get deep into the world of cash flow. Now, firstly, it is every property owner's dream to either have one or two scenarios occur. A, I'm losing a lot of money. Yes, I said that. I'm losing a lot of money and I get a lot of cool tax deductions because I hate paying so much tax. And yes, you'd be surprised. Whilst the long-term goal of property buying is to produce income streams, Many people are really excited and pumped about the cash back that they will get in tax returns. Sadly, this is just what happens in the world of when you grab something from you, being the high tax environment, and you just want to chase something back. So it makes these dollars feel more important. Also, it's the world of accountants in introducing their focus solely on the tax side of things and not so much on the actual wealth building and tax becoming their core priority. Now, this is uh, some accountants. I'm obviously saying it's not all. Many, and if not most, accountants will focus on the holistic wealth building. But let's take a pause and just think about that. There are many people who just truly enjoy the fact that they're getting some back in the system through negative cash flow. Then you have the other side. I want investing to be seamless, and I want positive cash flow. And if an asset ain't positive, it ain't coming in my portfolio. That's what many people think, right? So you've got these two wide spectrums. Guess what? It's 2023 today. It's the month of March and interest rates are nowhere near where they were two years ago. And as a result, those who keep investing with that mindset of positive cash flow from day one are sadly making one, two, or even possibly three errors or incorrect assumptions. Number one, they're assuming that property anywhere and everywhere outside of a couple of major cities can be positive cash flow in the current environment. I'm here to tell you that even with rental yields of 6% plus, if you are doing your cash flow calculations correctly, you will not have positive cash flow 
in the current environment. And by correctly, I'm actually going to do one even better and actually do a screen share to take you through how you can review cash flow holistically. The second thing is that you must be putting down massive deposits. Because of that first statement I just said, if you're trying to get positive cash flow with an investment in the current environment, you must be putting 20 to 30 to 40% deposits down. Or lastly, you must have a secret bank getting you interest rates that no one else is getting, or maybe you've just taken another approach. Maybe it's certain tactical approaches like boarding houses, Airbnb, commercial, which of course some work. The truth is the majority and many always don't hit the spot. So I guess the key thing here is that with this assumption in the current environment, what dangers can this lead you to? Well, the first is you're seeking something that doesn't exist. And if you're seeking something that doesn't exist or at least exists on very small niches and asset types, the majority or foundation asset of properties and that to residential properties in good markets, diverse markets that you're trying to add to your portfolio are likely not going to come past your radar. So this is a core mistake in the current, current environment when thinking of cash flows is that you're chasing this thing that's not really there. And as a result, you're willing to say no to 90 95 and even 98% of the assets that are in diversified markets have growth prospects, are seeing rental pressure, which means rents will eventually kick into positive and are also making the biggest difference to your portfolio by diversifying it nicely as well. So when you think of you saying no to all these assets, that means you're forcing yourself into a decision that might only be over 10, 50, 100, worst case it, $150 per week. It's important when you break it down like that, that you're willing to say no to 9 to 9.5 out of every 10 markets in the country and markets that tick all those other boxes I mentioned simply because you're trying to say, hey, I want break even or I want $1 more. That is a huge mistake when it comes to the current environment and how buyers are looking at cash flow. Number two, buyers are then considering cash flow incorrectly and they're looking at it from either A, just P&I or just interest only and not considering what the differences are. P&I cash flow has one part of the cash flow that's good cash flow. And that's the part that everyone says, well, oh, that's more negative. No, no, it's more budgeted, meaning you have to put more aside, but it's not more negative. Let me paint the picture, for example. If you've got $10,000 in interest only negative and you've got $15,000 in principal and interest negative, that $5,000 that say is going towards your principal is good money. It's still in your own bank account. It's coming back to you. It's not lost. It's in the asset that you purchased. So when you think you're now 15,000 negative, no, you're still 10,000 negative of which potential tax deductions will take place. And then you're 5,000 recircling back to yourself. Very important concept to look at. And then the opposite side, you're just looking at interest only, which means you might be right on the negative flows and calculations that given year, but will you be on interest only forever? That's also another unknown. So these are some of the mistakes starting to add up in the current environment with cash flow. Now, when you look at cash flow, we're going to go through a bit of a screen share to make sure that it's considered holistically and considered for the long term. But before I do, I want to share one more thing. When you think of cash flow, I want you to look at it in a scenario where it's painted in another way. Let's look at it this way. Instead of just using the terms positive cash flow or negative cash flow, I say this to you. Imagine there's a property that you have for $500,000. It grows in the vicinity of six to eight or five to seven long-term compounding wealth. Now, whether it's the 10, 12, or 15-year mark, depending on how those compound ranges you selected, it's likely to double. 
But hey, during that time, there might be a couple of K or even five to 10 K negative. Heck, let's say the worst case, it's 10 K negative, even call it 15 K negative. And you have to hold it for 10 years. 15K over 10 years equals 150,000. But that 500K asset growing to a million over 10, 12, or 15 years is another 500,000. So if you simplified this math and just basically said, hey, Arjun, if you give me $100,000 or 115, that 15K negative, but I'll give you 500K, you could be taking that deal any minute. For a second, it drops by. That's coming through. So when we start looking at things holistically like, what are we putting in versus truly what's coming out and how that 500k growth will set us up long term for other assets that grow more. And that debt, that rent will not stay the same. Even though interest rates have risen and may come back down, the rents continue to rise whether interest rates go up, down, sideways. They're driven by completely different factors. And the long term history is not like interest rates where you see some ups, some downs, some sideways. The long term history of rents have just been up and up and up. And so that's the core thing to consider before we go into the screen share. But now let's actually open up a cash flow sheet and look at it from that short term in the current environment and really start to see what's happening when it comes to property investing. Cool. So I've got the cash flow sheet up here. Now on the cash flow sheet, I've just thrown a pretty basic example. And this basic example, I'm going to zoom into the left is a $600,000 purchase in Queensland. Now from a rental yield, we've used 4.55 and rental yields in Queensland for depending on which market you could be getting them at 4%, 3.5%, 5%, 6%, or even 6.5%. Our sweet spot in yield calculations are between 4 and 6%. You can take this high, you can take this lower, but I think in that 4 and 6%, you've got a mix of cities and mix of asset types that open up. Some people might be saying, hey, I don't want to do 4, 4 4.5%, but do you really want to cut off? 50%, 60%, or even 70% of cities around the country? Well, it's not the right decision if you're looking for the best capital growth as part of your response. And the response for capital growth isn't due to the fact that those yields are lower. It's simply due to the fact that if you have a greater pool of cities, you can make a choice that increases the chances of you getting the best performing outcome because you've looked through multiple markets rather than a select two or three and having to force yourself to make the best decision from there. So what we're going to do is we've got the rents at 525, which is a 4.55. We're taking a mortgage at 90. Yes, I understand some at 80 can happen, but there are scenarios where people are trying to get their foot in the door on property. There are also scenarios where some people may take equity. Now from a mortgage interest rate, we're going to dial this up to 6%. Who knows? You know, it might be higher in a couple of months when you're reviewing this episode, or if you're looking at it lower and you can get yourself a better rate, it might be in the fives. Now from a perspective of cash flow. We have all these different inputs here, but we're going to run straight into the outgoings. Management can range between 5, 6, 7, and even 8.8, 9% across the country. We're selecting 7.7 as a middle point. We're looking at 1.1 as a letting fee, $1,000 in maintenance, council rates at 2300 water rates at 1200 insurance at 1500 and no land tax. These are annual figures, and these can be changed up or down depending on which councils, which regions you're in. But the main point I'm trying to get across here is that this is pretty holistic and, of course, dial it up or down to your own budgets. The next part here is we also consider capital growth rates of 6% as a midpoint. We have a look at inflation rates, so the bills keep rising over time, rental growth rates at 3 to 5% and the midpoint at 4 and even consider two weeks of vacancy. Now, the first thing you can see here 
is that negative cash flow on interest rate of interest only equals 14.8K for the year. Might be shocked. Might feel that's a lot. Or you might feel that's palatable. That is before potential tax returns, depending on what your accountant may say, what tax bracket you're on. But that return could range anywhere to the highest tax brackets at maybe 6 to 7K, or that could come down to you know, 3, 4, 5K, depending on your incomes. So what that does mean is that your actual negative is probably not 14.8. Maybe it's down to around 8 to 10. That shows now that the negative is reduced because of the gearing. But at the same time, this is not including any depreciation benefits that may come in. That is interest only. On the P&I side, it is higher. But as I mentioned, that variance between the two is likely to be your good money, right? The good money that pays down debt. So I wouldn't really look at it as a cash flow negative. I'd just look at it as an adjusted budget, or I like to call it forced savings. So the key here is, could you survive or have a portfolio that survives multiple of these at 14K, 15K negative, and then you get some tax back and it's eight to 10? For some, yes. For many, probably not. It does mean that today's journey is a little bit more challenging than what it typically would be. And by typically, I'd say that huge reduction in rates going from 2012 all the way to 2021 and parts of 22. And so that has been the trend for many, and if not most property investors navigating the current times. So this trend may be new for many as well. However, the key here is looking deeper into the numbers. At some stage from the compounding values, you can see here from year 10, this property may be worth over a million dollars. Now, guess what? Even if your interest was interest only the whole time and your loan never went down, you recast, refinanced so you could get interest only once more. Even at 10 to 14 to 15K negatives, however you want to cut this going across 10 years, the growth and the equity substantially outweigh it. It's important to also notice that your rents are rising over time, so the negative slows. And then of course, as you start paying it down, different story. Now the key here is to recognize an asset holistically, but also the key here is to recognize that this is not a bad performing asset simply because it's negative 10 grand. It's actually the fact that this interest rate number is changing. I want to take you back to interest rates of 2.89%, a very common investor rate, even pre the super lows of some of our COVID money. Now, some even got down to mid twos, but we're going to call it that 2.89. And you could even dial up to three and a half, four and a half if you wanted to play around with this tool. At 2.89, suddenly this property is positive cash flow. Positive cash flow 2000 means you're likely to pay tax of a few hundred dollars up to a grand, depending on your tax rate. But are you saying that this property is now suddenly turned to good? Well, no, this property was always good if the focus was growth, scaling your portfolio, right region, and also the right fundamentals for where you'd like to see this market go. However, you fell in love with the outcome of cash flow or really chased the outcome of cash flow so much that you didn't realize that this asset did have the potential to do all that for you. Instead, you're hoping to find that one asset that really gets you closer and closer and closer to these numbers, but you're on this constant chase, unable to find it. And those are the investors that will look back and realize an opportunity like this in the current market to actively acquire assets for your long term, where you gave up a year, maybe even two years of your life searching for what didn't exist, only to realize that you wasted one to two years of compounding wealth. Even in the scenario of this two years alone, 600 becomes 675, whereas that times two of eight to 10 grand negative cash flow after tax still is below that number of growth. And that's why it's important to pay the long-term journey, but also why my wife and I picked up five properties together during 2022, whilst nine 
interest rate rises have occurred till that point. And if this recording comes out late March, then probably even 10. So this is why we took those moves and why we were focused on that long-term plan. Because as long as we have the buffers, as long as we hold the liquidity, and as long as we can focus on those long-term gains, it's likely that the gains outweigh the losses, as you see in these calculations. And funnily enough, every single investor would have jumped on this property literally 18 months ago. And it tells you here, is it the market, is it the property, or is it the investor's mindset? Tell you what, I think it's the investor's mindset that's shifted because this is the same property 18 months ago. However, you were so focused on getting this positive cash flow of $39 a week before tax. Suddenly, now that it's changed and not there, you're forgetting the assets are still that quality for the long term. Now I want to shake things up a little. I want to take you through to the best possible yields one may see in the current environment. And these are actual deals, actual numbers that we've seen as a team and up there in the top 1% of yields in diverse, growing and sound locations. 430,525 rand. We're talking over 6% in yields. But guess what? Even at 6% yields, when you climb that dial up back to the 6% interest rates, the negative cash flow, yes, is no longer 15K. I acknowledge that. It is better. But it's still negative cash flow of 5.5K. Before tax, so turn that into after tax, you may get back anywhere between 1% to 2.5K, depending on your tax brackets. So from this perspective, this has reduced it substantially. But even after getting 6% plus rental yields, at the numbers that I've shared with you today, you're still unlikely to be positive cash flow. So does the concept now make sense? You're in this environment of constantly chasing something that doesn't exist, when really your focus should be on that long term, making sure you figure out how much you can hold and go from there. So in this environment, I urge you to do two things. Instead of looking at the cash flow you want, look at the worst you'll take. By finding the worst you'll take, you'll be able to acknowledge where your thresholds are and what cities you can unlock. For example, instead of going, I want the closest possible to positive cash flow, which now equals a reduction in 90% plus of cities that are viable options around the country, you should say to yourself, I've done my household budget and I feel that accepting an up to 15,000 or five or 10 or 12 is acceptable within our budgets while still saving for a rainy day, keeping buffers and staying locked in on our long-term plans. And so that is key here. And as a result, if you do this, you'll be able to look at assets different now because now we can look at it as saying, out of the 20 cities that exist in our approved areas or regions that make sense, nine of them are very solid and allow you to lose up to 10K based on them. All the others may lose you a bit more. And based on your household budgets and comforts, let's stay away from them. This is the type of thinking you need in the current environment. Otherwise, you'll be lost forever searching, forever waiting, not seeing anything that actually makes sense. And by making sense, it's only in your eyes. That was the first thing. The second thing is you should draw up a long-term plan, reverse engineer it, and then start to see where you will be on the long-term and can you suffer and handle the short-term. If you can't, then you've got to adjust your long-term plans down or delay until the short-term gets better. Now, this is the biggest part where investors will make huge mistakes. I want you to take a moment to sit back and realize the delaying option for the short-term. Now, why this is important, imagine there are three drivers, or not even imagine, there are three drivers to rental yields. One is the price you pay. Second is the rent you get 
and considerations with all the bills as well. So it's more holistic. And then three is the interest rate and cost of money that drives the massive needle shifter in your cash flows. And this is where you'll use that to get a yield, but also actual cash flow. So the first two represent yield, all three together represent actual cash flow. So imagine you're waiting for positive cash flow to re-exist in this market. What that means is you're likely waiting for the biggest dial shifter being interest rates to change. Because it's definitely not the rents that will be the biggest dial shifter. And I'll show you why. We're already at 6% cash flows here in terms of interest rates. We're at a 6.3% rental yield in this equation. I'm now going to dial it up to 550. At 550 per week, you're telling me you need to wait for 6.6% rental yields. And guess what? It's still before tax 4,000 negative cash flow. Hold on a minute. Let's get crazy here. Let's go to 600 rent per week. And we're now at 7.26% yields. And you're still at 2,190 negative cash flow. So the truth is the rents aren't going to be the big driver. They're going to play one part to cash flow shift. They're going to play the long-term part to cash flow shift. But in the short term, rents driving up another $50 or $100 will not suddenly make positive cash flow properties. Or your yield changing your brief will not make positive cash flow properties. This is what will. Interest rates. So if we dial the interest rates back down to 3% and even dial your rent down to back to that 6% yield. Heck, let's even bring the yields down to 4.5% yields on that 600k purchase price. And now we're going to take it to 525 and you're still positive cash flow. So you see the rental yield dropped down by almost 2% and yet the positive cash flow still existed because the core thing was that interest rates changed. So now interest rates we know are going to be the big changer to your cash flow or the long term which is the rents catching up irrespective of interest rates. But let's just say we're all waiting for interest rates to come back down. And this is where you're not considering the decision holistically. When interest rates come back down, you're then going to be like the majority and the pack that all come back in unison to buy property. I told you about three, three parts of the equation for yield and cash flow. It was price, rent, interest rates. We saw rents rise. We know there'll be the big difference making in the long term. But in the short term, it won't turn anything positive cash flow. We saw interest rates with a big dial for positive cash flow. And now the wolves are hunting. They're all on the, in the pack ready to go and find property because they felt that interest rates are down and cash flow looks better. And this is where the third multiple topples over. If prices in these areas through renewed confidence, competition, increased borrowing capacity, and higher sales volumes all come back into the mix, then what happens is even if we have all multiples the same, 3% rates, 525 rent, 4.55 yield, but 600 suddenly becomes 750k because of price growth, then that suddenly turns back into a negative cash flow. So the same thing you were looking to avoid has come back and found you. Negative cash flow, it has found you again. So this is the power of not delaying the decisions. If you're thinking of waiting for an interest rate to suddenly fall off and everything turns positive again, it may temporary, but if the rents don't keep rising at the rates they have been, and then if prices shoot back up because the competition has now welcomed itself back into the market with all these fundamentals changing, all of a sudden, you're left with little supply, high competition, rising sales volumes, increasing borrowing capacity, cheaper money, more positive cash flow potential or chase for it, and the prices pick up, you miss out, and as soon as you get in, just because the price and yield ratio is worse off, 
your cash flow is negative again, even at 3% interest rates. What would happen and ideally happen is that you get in before the mass market gets in. You can handle the cash flow to your acceptable loss position. And then if prices pick back up, let the others be suckers going through that low yield environment because of price ratios picking up. You already picked up before the prices picked up. So as a result, you feel more comfortable. Now, there are going to be other markets that have been growing even without you know, these interest rates recovering. Because the truth is, interest rates were only one indicator in the grand equation of housing market growth. Otherwise, the top 10 in price growth for SA4 regions across Australia, as reported by PropTrack, would not have been between 8 and circa 15% growth. They did grow. There were growth locations. It's just that you needed to find them. So now, this is short-term cash flow. This is all the variables. This is what exists in today's marketplace. I want to share the picture with you of long-term and bigger cash flows, as promised, going into my own portfolio. So firstly, you'll notice the same thing happen. I am not immune to rising interest rates. I am, though, long-term focused to rising interest rates. And what I want to show you here is a couple of core calculations. Firstly, you'll notice the blue line. That is the passive income. And what you'll notice with the blue line, it starts negative in the current environment. Yes, that's right. Even with a $12 million portfolio and that to $6 million to $7 million in debts, such a healthy LVR and what used to be a positive cash flow portfolio has now dipped into that not so positive for two reasons. One is I'm aggressively acquiring more in the last few years, so I took equity loans out. And two is that naturally the interest rates have changed substantially. And so I'm accepting of that negative cash flow, just like many of you should, except this is where the difference happens. Because the pool of assets is large, and because the rate of savings is large into my offset accounts, because the combining rents rising and it compounding over time happens, things start to change. Now, it's important to note there is my own plan here. So I'm being very open with my own plan. And the fact that in this calculation, we start negative. And by about 2029, we move into a huge positive, and that's even in current interest rates. And then you start to see it rocket away to about $400,000 in passive income by 2031. Now, the reason why that happens is for three reasons. One is I'm putting a lot of offsets and money in offset. Second is rents are compounding and have outpaced the interest rate issue, and it's given time. And third is my next acquisitions over time considering I have built a really healthy residential portfolio, will start to go into two, three, four million dollar commercial properties. But remember, I would not have had that confidence or ability to do so early on in my journey, but it should be something to consider later on in the journey. And then at 2033 and 32, I've considered strategies that allow me to consolidate some of my residential properties to clear the debts on my other commercial and other residential properties. And that puts me to a passive income of about 440,000 to a target of 384. But remember, that's inflation adjusted money. So that 384 is probably around 300 in the current environment. And it turns into 300, but at 384 equals 300, if that makes sense. Because inflation means I have to earn more to catch up to that 300K environment. So this is the real truth behind cash flows. And if I was to summarize it, number one, you are operating in a negative environment. Number two, if you weren't going to accept the losses that can show up in this environment, you are going to be on a journey of finding the something that doesn't even exist or be in such small quantities of. And you will rule out nine out of 10 potential markets that have great prospects, but your short-sightedness is letting those fall out. 
Number three is even if you get very high cash flows and even if you see the rents grow and your thoughts here is that I want to wait for this cash flow to turn positive and wait till interest rates come back down again, you may be impacted by the competition that re-enters the market due to improved borrowing capacities, due to supply conditions remaining low and due to sentiment improving and the part that controls cash flows just as much as the interest rate factor is, is the purchase price that you pay and the yield start to shrink. So my biggest tip for you is to consider that I'm on this journey with you here as well, and I'm seeing some negative cash flows turn into positive and go back up again, but they're accepted losses because I went through a three-part process. Number one, what is the money I'm willing to lose and feel comfortable to lose in this process? Number two, what buffers do I have and are they acceptable to hold through the losses and build on them? Number three, do I have an acquisition strategy? a consolidation and holding strategy that compounds over time for me to get to a certain goal by a certain time frame. What assets do I need to buy to get there? If you consider all of these things together, the short-term cash flows won't swing you in any other direction of your decision-making. I accepted that negative because why? I took out the equity to allow me to grow further and I still got a lot of equity in there as buffer, upwards of over a million dollars to hold that position of strength. And that is what I urge you to do. Go through that multi-layered scenario for you to be able to look at how do I protect myself, consider I still want the best options for long-term investing, look at cash flow holistically before tax, after tax, P&I, interest only, high yield, lower yield, and the different variables that may change in the years ahead. Rents, definitely going up. Interest rates will come down at some point. Prices, if the undersupply continues in many cities, and competition re-emerges with sentiment improving. There are those cities that are already improving that may improve a lot more. Some may still decline though, because you'd be silly to assume that nowhere is declining in current macro conditions. I hope this helps you with a very holistic review of cash flow, pulls the curtains on my own portfolio as well, and shows you that I'm on this journey with you. I'm very excited about reaching this 300 to 400k passive income plus over the next 10 years, which my journey entails. And I'm hoping to share everything I can on this journey with you. It's at a small negative now, which can easily turn positive if I wish to put that equity back in. However, I'm accepting this negative, keeping the money in the offset, buffering up and focusing on my next few moves to get it to a huge positive through the next moves I make. That's it from me. And feel free to check the video out if you didn't see this and you're listening to your car. And of course, join out. Or reach out to the Investigate team if you'd like to have a chat about how we can help you scale your portfolio with holistic thinking like this. Not just a deal to make the cash flow look the best possible, but the real truth. So you're not played around with deals that just to make the pain feel less, you're willing to sign the dotted line on. That's not how we work. Investigate.com.au. Jump on, free consultation, and have a chat to the team.